Welcome to a special episode of Front Porch Theology, featuring some of the authors from the new book, Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. We're thrilled to host this short series of podcast episodes to highlight the work of rural church voices. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this special episode of the Front Porch Theology Podcast. My name is Olivia. I'm going to be your host today for um, this conversation. So today we are continuing a series hosted by Rural Church Voices to promote our upcoming book, Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. So in each episode, we're sitting down with a contributing author or two contributing authors, as we are today, to learn a little bit more about them and their chapter, why they wrote about what they um, what they shared, and just a little bit more into maybe their writing process and what it looks like for them. So today, I am here with, our, with two of our authors, Danny Rumpel and Seth Polk. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so just to start, um, let's start with you, Danny. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your family, um, and your church? Cool. Um, Yeah, my name is Danny Rumpel. I'm married to Beth, have been for almost 28 years now, and we have three kids, Caleb, Joseph, and Anna. Uh, Caleb and Joseph are out of the house. Anna soon will be. Beth and I have gotten a little bit of a taste of emptiness, and we kind of like that, so... (laughs) um, but as we move into this next phase of life, uh, we look at you know some a little bit more free time. So it, it does. It helps me think through church and what's that going to look like and how can yeah. we serve in that way. But um, right now I'm working as I'm one of the pastors at Cross Lanes Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also uh, a church planning catalyst with the North American Mission Board. So help uh, pastors think through how to plant churches in our state and mm-hmm. hopefully beyond. Um, so working with NAM, working with Cross Lanes, and um, hoping to see uh, ministry go out across the state, and and even like Seth's chapter is going to be about out into the ends of the earth, even. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really good, and we'll come back to that. But Seth, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your church, your ministry? Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. Um, my wife is Emily. We've been married for the past thirty years, and be thirty-one in June. And we have three adult children, and uh, they are all here in West Virginia at the moment, and uh, serving the Lord and doing uh, their thing. And so we're in a similar stage of life as as uh, Danny and Beth are, and mm-hmm. enjoying that and the opportunities that. That, that brings and uh, I've been at Cross Lanes as the lead pastor for the past 20 years and I've been in uh, pastoral ministry for 26 years and grew up in Central Florida in a rural setting and also served in a rural setting in North Carolina and then came to West Virginia so this topic is pretty exciting to me and how uh, rural ministry and just small town church ministry and uh, how that intersects with uh, the mission is a very exciting thing to me. And I'm also serving as the director of uh, SEND Network West Virginia uh, with North American Mission Board, working with Danny and planting churches across the state. Yeah. Yeah, so I love that we um, have paired you guys together for this conversation, not be- just because you all know each other. So <laughs> obviously we can have a good conversation, but um, because your topics pair really well together, and that's why they're together um, near one another, chapters in the book as well. So 
Um, Danny, you wrote a lot about leadership and development and why that's you know important for churches, but particularly in a small town or rural setting. Why don't you talk a little bit more about um, the particulars of that being in small town? You know, I think a lot of churches may feel like or, or seem like from a leadership perspective, you know, how where do I even start yeah. um, with developing leaders? What if I, I don't have any options of leaders? Um, yeah. What would you say to uh, ministry leaders or pastors who are in that situation, particularly in these rural spaces? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, a little bit, of, I'm going to step back even from that, a little bit of context. Yeah. When uh, Beth and I first started doing ministry, um, we were with the International Mission Board overseas working with an unreached people group. And so we would go into villages that literally had no Christians mm. and hoping to see churches started and to see believers developed in their faith so that they could go out and engage their own people. Yeah. So our perspective is, is really that. And that also was a very rural work. Um, and if we didn't develop leaders, there wouldn't have been any in the churches. So mm-hmm. when we were looking at those villages, we definitely were seeing a lack of Christian leadership. And so bringing that to West Virginia has been helpful in my thinking because like I written a, a brief analogy and, and a story in the in the chapter about the resources that we're looking for. So we're thinking about leadership. We're thinking about folks that we can raise up and send out as that mm-hmm. next wave of church leaders, church pastors, yeah. church planters. The, the resources for that really are in the harvest. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that apple seed. There's a potentially a bunch of apples in that seed if it's a healthy one and it's taken care of. So that's what we want to see is – Leaders being developed from within, uh, discipleship that results in leadership development so that people can be sent out. And I think that gets at what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission as we're, we're sending people, we go to all the nations and, and we're teaching them. So there's a, even in the Great Commission, there's a, uh, it's an implied Uh, multiplication that takes place. This is going to keep going all the way Mm -hmm. to the ends of the earth. And so we, uh, even though we have limited resources in some of our churches, like you said, smaller churches, small town churches, those limited resources really don't limit the mission of God uh, if we're developing folks from within, discipling them, and then looking to send them out. Jesus started with 12. Mm -hmm. So most of our churches have at least that many. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think, um, you know, something that is found throughout the book from start to finish is the Great Commission. A lot of us Mm. wrote um, about the Great Commission and how it relates to our particular topic. And so um, a piece of that is discipleship, but then also a piece of that is mission, which is what you um, Mm. wrote about, Seth. So talk to us a little Mm. more um, about your perspective and, you know, what you wrote about the mission of God and how um, the church and the people within really filter into that and how, how we address that in small town contexts as well. Yeah, I really like what Danny was talking about, about leaders being raised up from within the harvest and uh, from an organic standpoint uh, coming out of the places that we're also trying to reach. And we do see that in Jesus' ministry because Jesus called people out of uh, out of the way places, and uh, he brought them in and, and discipled them and taught them and sent them. And that's what we're wanting to see, uh, certainly in a small town, a small uh, setting, in the context that, that we're serving in. And as that relates to the mission, 
it, it also is that same vision that uh, God specializes in uh, doing extraordinary things in ordinary places. Mm-hmm. And when God does something extraordinary in an ordinary place, he gets the glory for it. Uh, so he gets the credit, and, and we don't take the credit for it. Uh, so that's the exciting part about mission is sometimes I think churches start with the mindset of what they can't do mm-hmm. rather than what they can do. Yeah. And uh, I want to encourage churches to start with what they can do and really not start with a scarcity mindset of what we don't have, but what has God entrusted to us and how can we be a good steward of that. So when God gives that to us, we want to sow the seed broadly and we want to see people come to faith. We want to see disciples made. We want to see the mission begun. And that works out in a concentric kind of way. And uh, the Lord multiplies the harvest. And that's that's the direction that uh, I think is so important for churches to have that faith vision and, and leaders to have that faith vision. And then that sets them on a course where the, the mission informs the vision and then the application of it is how you practically do it on a ground level in your yeah. ministry context. Yeah. Seth said something I think sometimes we lose sight of, it, that God's doing extraordinary things through ordinary circumstances. And I think one of the things we forget is that the the typical ordinary church is not a big mega church it's yeah. a it's a small relatively small church and for centuries god has been working through small churches to continue the kingdom work that was started with jesus in the yeah. new testament and so i think that god's always been doing big things through small circumstances or seemingly small circumstances so it, it it's he does he does unbelievable things yeah yeah so it's really um seems as if it's a lesson in faithfulness is kind of where this mm-hmm. starts with discipling those in your church whether it's um for leadership development or just for the sake of discipling the folks in your church mm-hmm. um and then the mission part too is um, important to see that it's not about what we necessarily want to do or think that we should be doing, but where can we start? And mm. um, something that you wrote about, Seth, that I thought was really interesting was um, this melding of mission and vision and how you communicate that well mm. to your congregants. So if you could talk a little bit about that um, in just communicating and leading in that way from a leadership perspective to um, you know, showcasing that to those in your church. Yeah, mission drives everything, and Jesus gave us the Great Commission, and that's the foundation of everything that we do as believers and as the church. So when we really take hold of that Great Commission and understand that it's our responsibility, it's not somebody else's responsibility where we just give some money or, or whatever to where we expect somebody else to, to do it for us, to where we're almost farming it out to have somebody else do it for us, but we really take hold of that as our responsibility and we do own it, then uh, we can begin to ask the questions of uh, how are we going to do that? What's that practically look like? And that's where the vision piece comes in is mission feeds vision. And uh, the mission's going to be essentially the same for all of us because we're trying to fulfill what Jesus has commanded us to do, and that's to make disciples as we're going. And then the vision part of it is what does that look like for 
my church and also for my life, mm-hmm. and how can mm-hmm. I be a part of that? And then we start where we are, and we build out from there. And I think one thing that's sometimes overwhelming for uh, both Christians and churches uh, collectively is we get a little bit overwhelmed because we think, well, there's so many needs, there's so many things to do, there's so many directions that this could go in. How do we really uh, take this and be faithful with it? And the way I, I think that is important to communicate it is you have to start somewhere. So if you start where you are and then build out from there, you can do that practically. So for us, that's that's been the case even from the time that I started here a couple of decades ago in the church context that I'm in, is uh, we were giving some money at that time, but we weren't really actively engaged in mission either uh, – personally or through uh, teams or prayer or anything, really. It was more just giving money. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, what can we do? So we started with something we could do locally, something we could do in our state, something we could do nationally and then internationally. And we didn't do all that at once. We started with one thing, and then Mm -hmm. we slowly, methodically worked through it. And every church can do that, no matter their resources, no matter their setting. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have huge resources or huge numbers of people to do it. And I think that's where the vision begins to be applied is mm-hmm. how do you do that and and build out that mission really envision focus for the church yeah yeah that's really good um and so for you danny talking a lot about leadership and, mm-hmm. and development um let's take it really practical so what would you say to a guy maybe a church planter um starting out in a rural uh, setting or a small town context who um, is interested in, in developing leaders. So we've talked about the discipleship. We talked about the harvest. Um, yeah. Let's say that they're doing that and they're there, but now they want to move to the next step of, okay, I need some leadership help. And I know that, that that's kind of our next step in development here. What would you say to them, just practically speaking, some first steps in moving towards that? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I, I think, and we use this a lot appropriately, is the loop. 10-2 model of the harvest is plentiful, so we know there's work to be done out there. And then Jesus says, pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up and send out those workers, those laborers. And so I think so we start with praying. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and probably all of us would say we don't pray well enough, we don't pray enough and all that, but we really start with having a, a prayer strategy where we're asking God to, to do this work, mm-hmm. to send people out. And then as we pray, I think we we just look out at our church. So um, if God has brought the people that are here, then he's put the different giftings that need to be there yeah. to help develop that church. Mm-hmm. And I believe also that part of that would maybe some hospitality gifting. There's going to be some giving gifting. There's going to be some teaching gifting. Also, the church is, I'll say this, apostolic nature. So the church is a sending organization. Um or organism, um, God's put those people in there that are to be sent out. So as I'm praying, I just want to look and find who are those people that God's raising up that have the gifts and the desire to be sent out. Mm-hmm. So really praying, looking. And then I don't think we have to build a whole lot of new systems to develop leaders. Mm-hmm. Most of our churches have what we need through some basic discipleship systems that are already there, whether it's yeah. called Sunday school or Bible fellowship or community group, and letting those be the kind of the greenhouses where people are developed and raised up, letting people begin to take ownership of those uh, classes or those discipleship opportunities. Um, 
and then letting it also be relational. Mm -hmm. So it's also easy to think in terms of, if I just get the systems in place, this will happen. There really is like a life-on-life apprenticeship nature to developing people and then sending them out. So I'd say pray, uh, look around. You've already got the systems most likely to get Mm -hmm. started with it. Just engage people relationally and uh, encourage them in the giftings that God's given to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I think um, maybe a common theme here is that it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm, You know, you don't have to have this incredible strategy. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to have these lofty goals that you think um, we have to attain, you know, in order to do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't have to be complicated because the Lord asks us to be faithful as individuals, as churchgoers, as leaders and pastors. Um, and so it's what we do with that faithfulness and how, how we walk in obedience to that. Um, so thank y'all for sharing that. Um, I would love to know, kind of going back to the project, I know we know what you guys wrote about. Um, you've seen the rest of the book. I would love to know... Um, Maybe we can start with you, Seth. What are you most excited about um, about this project? And and particularly, you know, we we focus on small town, rural um, type people, and that's our audience. That's who we are. Um, but maybe share a little bit about why you were interested in being part of this yeah. project because you guys are busy, um, and this is yeah. not an easy thing to just crank out and do. So I would love to hear from you. Maybe just some encouragement for those listening too, um, who are looking forward to this type of resource. Um, and I will say, you know, someone who loves resources like this, um, for me, when I read a book like this or see um, any sort of resource coming out for those in smaller context, rural places, this is not something that we see a ton. You know, mm-hmm. we often have to mm-hmm. take something that's from a mega church or take something that's from a large context and see how does this apply to me where I am? And it doesn't always. And so we have to kind of do some translation there. So what we hope to do with this project is to make it very relatable for those in these more unseen places. So um, if you would, maybe just tell us a little bit about why you're excited to be part of this project. Yeah, it's exciting to me because uh, a lot of resources that I see, um, at times they'll lead in with the idea that Uh, This is not a template that you have to exactly apply, but then the story's completely built on how they applied it in their place, and it's not very uh, useful for certain Mm contexts. And I think it's with good intentions, but that's still the way it comes across. So my answer to that question would be I am excited about the accessibility of this project Mm -hmm. because it is principle-driven, and there's so many different uh, things here that – can be drawn from and applied that can be uh, adapted to your particular setting uh, in the idea of where we're coming from as far as trying to reach these kinds of places. And um, I think Jesus cares about places that are maybe not prominent in the world's eyes, uh, but he loves and knows uh, every individual that's there. And I'm excited about it because it has the potential to encourage churches to be more effective and pastors and leaders and servants in the church to be more effective in reaching lost people and then d- discipling those people in the faith. So I think the accessibility of it is is huge, and I think it's going to be a, a great tool for that. 
Yeah, yeah. What about you, Danny? You work with, with you know, small town planters, and you've you've worked um, in rural places all over the world. So why are you excited about this? Yeah, project? that's what I was going to say. Is uh, with my North American Mission Board work, I I work with a lot of pastors in small towns, mm-hmm. and as I've read through different parts of the book and the chapters, it's just like Seth was saying, it's super practical. Um, I think it speaks to the issues that a lot of these guys are are working through. Again, mm-hmm. oh, I have limited resources. How do I do this? Well, the book speaks to that. Well, I'm I'm working in a an area that has a small town mindset. How do I help overcome that? The book speaks to a lot of those things. And so I think it's it's just going to be super practical for guys who are working hard mm-hmm. in places that aren't easy. Um, small towns and like you said a lot of the resources that we have um can feel difficult to apply in our setting uh this one is not that way Mm -hmm. it's 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 easier it's more practical i'm excited about that yeah and i'd add to that too it's it's theologically sound Mm -hmm. but also uh, accessible and practical and that's sometimes a hard balance to strike Mm -hmm. as well because you can get heavy on the uh, on the theology side but then what do i do with it now Uh, this has a good balance of both uh, in in uh, what danny's saying with the with it being able to be applied yeah um one thing that seth you wrote about in in just the missional chapter um, is global missions. And, you know, mm-hmm. you talked about it doesn't have to be that. You don't even have to start there. Um, but I know that's a big part of your ministry and your church's ministry, and it's a part of what you wrote about as well. Um, something that I loved, a story that you shared, and we don't have to share the full story maybe mm-hmm. on the podcast, but um, something that you talked about is folks in small towns rural places, many of us, and I say us because it, you know, I was an adult before I got on my first airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us have not traveled outside of the state or even the country. And so it feels so far to think of engaging in some sort of global mission. So um, I don't want to leave here without, you know, giving you the mm-hmm. opportunity to talk a little bit about that, because I think it's an important piece, especially in the context mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So if you could share a little about that, that'd be great. Yeah, it, it is a big piece. And a lot of times I think when people think about global mission, even from a small town church perspective, their image is a group of 50 people with the same t-shirt going to <laughs> some far flung location and, and you bring back some nice pictures. And that's really not the heart of missions. The, the heart of missions is to see where God is at work and see what the opportunities are to be able to go and to engage. And I think that's where partnership missions come in very mm-hmm. significantly. And uh, I've served as a trustee for a number of years with the International Mission Board, and then that's been uh, – inter- international global missions has been a passion of mine for many years now. And it, it it is accessible as well because you can come alongside someone who is already in a an international location, and you can be a help to them – in the mission that God has called them to. And then when you get confident and kind of get your sea legs under you as far as doing global mission, then a church can even become the missionary in a certain location, mm-hmm. depending on what the need is and, and um, the how reached that area is. So uh, I think just getting people to where they can understand this is something I can do. Uh, this is something that I can participate in the mission of God and begin to pray for that and prepare for it and and uh, plug in somewhere in a, in a global mission kind of a way. And then it just opens people's eyes to the world because it, once you see 
what God is doing around the globe, it, it totally changes your life perspective, and you you can't you can't not see it after mm-hmm. that happens, mm-hmm. and it it becomes a part of your life and a part of your discipleship. Yeah, that's really good. I was going to say that the first time I met Seth was not in West Virginia. <laughs> the it's first time story. I met Seth was on the other side of the world. Yeah. yeah. And I remember we were riding in that Jeep over these mountains yep. to go to this village and have lunch with these unreached peoples. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's exciting to see pastors and churches here catch that vision. And there's a relationship, I think, between um, – having that focus of to the ends of the earth mission and being active in mission locally as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a mutual work that we do. It's, yeah. And when I have a heart for that, I have a heart for this. When I have a heart for this, I have a heart for that. Mm-hmm. And so seeing those feed each other is – I've seen that at Crosslines, and it's, it's, been a, yeah. it's been really – it's been exciting to see. Yeah, and that's one of the things we try to encourage people on is to get involved locally and begin to serve and then pray about how you can be involved in a broader perspective, uh, even internationally. And uh, we've very much narrowed our missions in recent years to where um, we're doing it in targeted um, type ways or or focus type ways would be a better way to say it. And we may take three people, or there may be four of us or five of us, but we may go several times a year to the same partnership, and that way we're able to have more of a presence and get more people involved. But very much what Danny said, once people serve and they become better, if they have an opportunity to engage in an international context, they are almost every time going to be a better servant in their local church because they see the big picture of what God's doing. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, and we're thinking, how do we get, how do we develop leaders in our church, um, and so that we can hopefully send them out to be on mission, whatever that might look like. If we are helping folks in our church have opportunities to be out on mission, I think about the folks who have led mission trips at Cross Lines, for example. Uh, those are folks that have leadership potential. Those are folks that we're seeing be developed mm-hmm. so that they can help out in leadership at the local level too. So, again, these things working together and creating mission opportunities helps us find who those leaders are, missional leaders are in our in our local church. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so it's not just global mission or local mission. It's mission. It's the yes, mission exactly. of God. Yep. And so it's catching hold of that and communicating that, teaching that in pastoral ways and teaching ways and discipleship opportunities so that people understand that this is for us. This is as the people of God. This is the mission that we're carrying out, whether it's across the globe or whether it's in our hometowns. And mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully, you know, I think we'd all say hopefully it's in both um, or or at least it can be. And so um, as we close down today, y'all, thank you so much for joining um, for this podcast and and thank you for contributing to this book. I personally benefited from each of your writings um, and from things that you share, um, not just stories, but from a theological and even pastoral perspective, the way you guys wrote was really great. So thank you for your contribution. And I'm sure that many reading will um, hopefully be encouraged by that as well. So thank you all. Um, Church Out Here will be available May the 1st. It's available for pre-order currently at ruralchurchvoices.com. So check it out. Thank you.